You've got all these things swirling that create an environment for it. And then you've got and you've got an economy, even with the pandemic, that's been consistent and solid. So rarely do you see all those things happening at once. Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. It's hardly news to note the red-hot M&A market in the 401k advisory space, but Dick Darian tells us why it's happening, how long it will continue, and how advisors can capitalize. We're not talking about walking away with a pile of money necessarily, but how an acquiring partner can provide scale and resources to grow the business further. Darian, founder of Wise Rhino, will discuss all this and more, including the, quote, Goldilocks zone in which the retirement plan business now exists. We'll explain right after these messages. Is retirement planning an art? Well, I think so. I help my clients reach their retirement goals. Whether those goals are far away or right around the corner, I help them get there. That's an art. And with T. Rowe Price's full suite of target date solutions, you can call me a Rembrandt of retirement. Retirement meet your match. Visit trowprice.com slash target date. Principal value of target date strategies is not guaranteed at any time, including at or after the planned retirement date assumed to be age 65. T. Rowe Price Investment Services, Inc. Dick, is now the best time for a 401k advisor to sell that you've seen over the course of your career? Well, John, you know, I'd say yes, but I'd start with, uh, you know, the 401k advisor industry is fairly young, right? And if you look at you know, the way it's worked, it was primarily uh, you know, benefit consulting firms, actuarial firms, and frankly, wirehouse firms that were the ones that kind of began to provide 401k advisory work. And it wasn't until there was a migration out of the wires that you started to have what I'll call the, you know, the profession of an independent advisor. So that's kind of number one. Number two is if you look at kind of the, the data around, around consolidation, you know, the, the, the kind of the research says it takes 20 to 30 years for any industry to consolidate. So, you know, it's actually, number one is it's kind of early, right? If, you know, you'd look at, you know, 20 years in, we're probably 10 years away and you see it in the, you know, in kind of the, the number and the size of the firms that are being considered. There really aren't that many, John. And if you compare it to the wealth side and even the benefits and PNC side, there are more firms being, being acquired. In fact, if you look at the benefits and PNC side, you know, I always say it's like Pez, you know, they keep popping up. And I think someone told me there's been 36,000 acquisitions on the benefits and PNC side. And John, there's still 36,000 firms left. You know, they keep producing. So, so it's a little different. But, but in answering the question, I would say it's a, you know, interesting and kind of impactful time because I think that no matter what, what's happening with the growing firms, the aggregators is they are positioning themselves in a way they're going to have such an advantage over a smaller independent. And it doesn't mean you can't still be successful as an independent. It just means it's going to be different. It's going to be, in some cases, more difficult. And, you know, that's one consideration. The other consideration is I always think of kind of the, when you think about Earth and, you know, the Goldilocks zone and all the things that have to, had to happen for, you know, kind of Earth to have an atmosphere and water and human life, kind of the same thing's happening now. You have kind of a buy, buy side, sell side dynamic where you have firms that are, you know, that are big enough and, and talented enough on the sell side. You've got, you know, growing number of buying firms backed by private equity with cheap money. You've got technology. You've got all these things swirling that create an environment for it. And then you've got, and you've got an economy, even with the pandemic, that's been consistent and solid. So rarely do you see all those things happening at once. And, you know, that's why right now you're seeing kind of this drive. And 
it remains to be seen, John, what happens next. And, and, and there are some things that will determine whether it will continue and, frankly, whether it will be successful. But Saul doesn't necessarily or even remotely mean walk off into the sunset. And it's a way to build scale, cross market and expand the business. So really a win win for the advisor. Can you expand on that? Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, look at any business that pivots and evolves. No one kind of starts a business. You pick any business out there, whether it's Microsoft, the bigger, the biggest ones. And they rarely are doing what they started to do, especially the startups. And if you think about an advice, those successful firms, what they've been able to do is evolve and transition with the changing environment. And I would argue the same thing is happening with advisory practices. <clears throat> yes, they provide kind of these core services, but how they provide it is changing. And, you know, for the first 20 years of these entrepreneurs' careers, yeah, they're building a business in a certain way. But when the environment changes externally, and this is really, John, what we talk about when we engage in advisor practice, not sell. It's not the conversation. Typically, we're having months and years of conversation around who are you guys? What's happening in the marketplace? How can you be, how do you continue to be durable? How do you continue to be successful? And how do you continue to drive a financial model where everything you're doing is paying off? And John, you know, not recognizing the changes in the marketplace typically is not a successful model. So you have to pivot and evolve. And then the second thing is the opportunities now in doing what you do with a larger partner and essentially less risk, more reward, which in almost every case this right now is, is the dynamic uh, and, and having an opportunity to pick and choose who you want to do that with. And then I think what we do, we spend a ton of time, John, with I'll call it the match part of the of the process, you know, and uh, and that's really, yeah, the money's going to be there. We work hard there. But the more important thing is the match.com part. Are these the people you want to be with? Will you be successful? Can we predict the future a little bit based on all the things? And, and that is, John, where we spend a lot of time. And it's also where some of our concerns are because we can't absolutely predict what these aggregators are going to do going forward. And that's kind of that keeps me up at night a little bit. So speaking of aggregators, we talk so much about the sell side, but what about the buy side? Are large aggregators coming to you with specific criteria for the firms they want to buy? And are you making that connection? They are. It, it really varies. I'd say in the beginning it was um, if they breathe and they have business, we're good. Right. You know, I'm saying yeah. that jokingly, but you know, you start out. and But as you become successful, I think that uh, this happened during the pandemic a little bit, but you had a little more, um, you know, they were a little pickier. As you're, if you're cap trust or hub, you're at a point now where you've got a lot of players on the field. You begin to pick and choose. You've got a lot of the, you know, you've got uh, 10 of the 11 positions, so to speak. So there's a little change there. I would also say that, you know, the better firms like the two I mentioned look at attributes, you know, look at someone who's got 457 experience, someone who can work with unions and pension plans. They really want to fill out their lineup to go deeper with capabilities. You know, an example is cap trust brought in. Um, uh, someone who who works in on the investment side in uh, in private equity, you know, and that was that was a gap kind of in 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 their lineup. So they were very specific there. So that's beginning to happen. And then you know, as as the lineups fill up, John, we're predicting that you're going to start to see a lot more wealth acquisitions across the board. Even though the, the, it's still a, a, a kind of a run on the market on the retirement side, and you know, believe it or not, we're st- we're still seeing new entrants. There'll be I'll tease the audience to say there will be there'll be a big one over the next three three or four months that you'll see come into the business, and then and we're working with 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 both sides of, the, of that equation, but the wealth side you're going to see over the next three to five years. You know, CapTrust has done 52 acquisitions 
since they did their first acquisition almost 20 years ago. But 27 of the 52 have been wealth. Wow. So they are well on their way. and You'll see others follow. Yep. Now, you said, of course, there's uh, no way to predict the future. But when do you think the mad- madness will end, Dick? I'm still going to put you on the spot here. How much longer we got in this run? Well, you know, get back to the Goldilocks zone. Anything can throw it off. You know, the pandemic, although we kept seeing it happen, I'd say things would have been, you know, more uh, acquisitive last year had that not happened. That's number one. Number two is uh, any of the other factors, the economy, um, uh, you know, uh, level of cheap money, you know, which which impacts private equity. But I think, look, there's still quite a ways to go. In fact, we just put together uh, a chart, John, that shows every aggregator, and then every every one of the you know I'll, I'll define as the fifty major markets in eight regions, and we've kind of charted out where kind of all of the acquisitions have happened, and there's still a lot of room to go in terms of these large firms kind of filling out their lineups, so to speak. But I think a change to any of those other factors are going to begin begin to to evolve things. Tell me about Wise Rhino, Dick. Yeah, so you, you know, John, I there I was at BlackRock at the end, and and. Uh, you know, uh, I always joke and say I might have been the first person to leave BlackRock without uh, a gunfight and a, and a lawyer. Uh, I think HR was a little confused when I said I want to retire. They had to look it up. Uh, but, Too uh, funny. but yep. you know, after, you know, I'd been an advisor. I'd worked for a record keeper. I'd worked for an asset manager. I worked building uh, with Bill Chetney, building a, a wonderful firm called NRP. So I kind of had done all these things and I saw what was going to happen, John. It wasn't that it wasn't hard to see that that through the academics and through what was happening, that there'd be consolidation. So that was number one. Uh, you know, I, I, I just got off the phone today with, with a firm that I met 30 years ago, John, in the, in the early 90s. Uh, the three partners and I had lunch in New Jersey to celebrate uh, their new business they had started. We just signed a letter of intent as, after representing them today with, wow. with one of the large aggregators. Very large for John. The uh, the thrill, the, the, the privilege, the just the... Awesome, like seeing, seeing what they that through, huh? Yeah. And seeing it through, John. And that's what it is. The it starts with empathy. It starts with just knowing that we can do it. And we understand a hundred percent that this is one of the most important events of their lives. After their families and their kids and their faith and those other things, this is in the top five, John. And we feel a responsibility to do that. And you know, it's interesting. I hear from some other bankers, John. And look, some wonderful people out there. And a number of firms have called us and said, hey, you need to merge with us because we're going to come into that space and clean your clock. And I, and I joke and say, yeah, you probably will. You know, all you need is a time machine. Go back 40 years and replicate what, what our career. <laughs> Other than go. that, it's a piece of cake. So, yeah. so we are there. So that's number one. Number two is, um, you know, I think the misperception is we spend, John, we've been a part of almost 60 transactions but we've had more than 150 engagements where we're working with firms. And what we do first is diagnose. We have months of discussions. It depends on what they're thinking about, but we're not saying sell. We're just saying, understand where you are, understand what's going on, be a student of the market, understand that there's things going on outside you need to know about, go through all the different iterations of what you should be thinking about. And then based on that information, make a uh, a smart decision as to what's your best path forward in this new environment. And, and John, some say not yet. Some say let's fix some things, you know, let's new shrubbery and let's let's remodel the bathroom before we sell. And then others say, yeah, now's the time. And I would say that 
you know, look, the jury's still out. We're kind of three to four years into these acquisitions, but the reporting so far in terms of how it feels has been has been mostly amazing. The reporting on the growth has been mostly amazing. So I think those two things, like when you're successful and when you feel good about it, and when you're still able to run your business, that's pretty successful. But you know, time will tell. Again, the thing I, I that I um, I want to say worry about, but I think about is, will these firms actually be successful in building out an operating company and also the necessary technology and build to engage the participant, John, and do it in a way? Because mark my words, this is going to be about that. In the next five years, it's not going to be about how much money you make on retirement consulting. It will be how much you make on, quote unquote, monetizing the participant. Okay, why the name? So, so John, uh, eight years of BlackRock. Um, 9,416 hours of compliance, uh, compliance uh, training and everything else. And everything was about risk management. Everything was about vanilla, you know, dumb it down, don't offend, the whole thing. And, and honestly, add that to our environment out there. Enough said there. So I thought, okay, I was a college nose tackle. And I began to look for something that was a little more out of the box. And I thought, who am I? And when I read that rhinos were... Uh, were were nearsighted and occasionally will charge trees, thinking it's a, it's a, a predator. Right I was here. all yeah. in, John. I said, okay, that sounds like three of my four college years, you know. So, <laughs> you know, so but but I wanted something that was strong. I wanted something. We're representing companies. You know, rhinos are sturdy. Uh, you know, they're thoughtful. They're you know they're a miss and they're rare. So you know, why is rhino just kind of clicked? You know, someone said I think it was Rebecca Houlihan who said just look for word from four one k marketing. Look for words that resonate. And, you know, I'll give her credit for that process. And it was great advice. And I knew that it would be memorable, John, because everybody says something about it. And I wasn't going to put fiduciary, advisory. I wasn't going to do any of those words. I wanted something different. That certainly is different. And you're crashing the space. So it's, it's <laughs> apropos. So great. That's exactly what, what we needed. Uh, Dick Darian, thank you so much for joining us. Do appreciate it. John, thanks for having me. Is retirement planning an art? Well, I think so. I help my clients reach their retirement goals. Whether those goals are far away or right around the corner, I help them get there. That's an art. And with T. Rowe Price's full suite of target date solutions, you can call me a Rembrandt of retirement. Retirement meet your match. Visit trowprice.com slash target date. Principal value of target date strategies is not guaranteed at any time, including at or after the planned retirement date assumed to be age 65. T. Rowe Price Investment Services, Inc.